Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, we boldly go where this podcast has never gone before with a learning team interview. That's right, a learning team interview. In this conversation, we feature five members from the Executive MBA Class of 2023 who are on Learning Team 2, or LT2, as you will learn. Uh, these students are Remington Raw, John Grant, Colleen Mehta, Catherine Kinney, and Johnny Carpenter. Uh, the students share about how their team came together, set norms, manage workload, and much more. Of course, we also want to mention the other two team members who were not able to join us for this conversation, Lizzie Horton and Scott Sarlin. They're also a big part of Learning Team 2's story. This episode is essential listening for any students interested in Darden who are interested in learning more about the learning team process. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Learning Team 2 from the Executive MBA class of 2023. I've never said this before on the podcast. Learning Team 2, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thank you all for being here. Now, John Grant, our listeners, loyal listeners, will recognize the sound of your voice, but there's several other people who are here. Um, and you came to me, John, I will say several months ago, and you said, listen, I've got this learning team. We're pre- we're a pretty incredible group. I think we should really get on the podcast and share more about who we are, our story. Is that is that how you remember it? I, I just want to make sure I get it get it right for for the podcast. Uh, that's that's pretty much how, exactly how I remember it. We were on the roof at um, SFG, and um, I told you that you know you should really do a podcast that talks about the learning team process at Darden. I think it's a unique element of the Darden experience. And our team has been so important to my Darden experience that I thought it might be helpful for others to hear how this whole thing works. Well, I appreciate your your sharing that for our listeners who are less familiar with what a learning team is here at the Darden School of Business. All students in all MBA formats are assigned a learning team. Uh, Prior to matriculation for our part-time MBA and executive MBA students, we actually announce the learning teams typically a week or two prior to the start of school, so you have a chance to meet these folks. Uh, These are five to six-person teams. They are intentionally diverse in terms of academic background, professional background, try to have men and women on the teams, members of, of different races and ethnicities, all kinds of different dimensions as we think about putting these teams together. The goal really is to try to have uh, microcosm of the broader class discussion that you're going to have within the context of a team and put together people with complementary skill sets and backgrounds so that you can get a lot further with your case reading and materials for class than you would on your own. So Darden, there's this four-step learning model where step one is individual preparation. Step two is group preparation. That's where the learning team comes in. Step three is you go to class, you have a case discussion, and then step four is reflection. And you probably will do some of that reflection and class debrief with your learning team. These people are an important part of this process. And uh, all students, as noted, uh, have a learning team that's assigned to them. And I think it's an important social touch point and an important academic touch point uh, for for students uh, as they navigate the program. Uh, It goes without saying, no one does any of these programs on their own. Uh, you're going to be working with other people. So let's meet some of these people. You heard John Grant's voice earlier. We're going to come back to John, uh, give you a chance to learn a little bit more about him. We'll start off with Rim Roth. Rim has been on the podcast before to talk about the Executive MBA Consulting Club. He's back to 
talk about Learning Team 2. Rem, for our listeners who haven't had a chance to hear your previous episode, tell us a little bit more about you and how you decided to pursue an MBA. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. Uh, so just a little bit about my background. Uh, I was a Naval Academy graduate. I was in the, the military. I served in the Navy. I was a nuclear service warfare officer, which just means I drew up ships and operated nuclear reactors. Uh, since then, I've been working at the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency and um, working through the program with my classmates here. So an MBA made sense for me because I felt like I had a lot of leadership experience in the military, but I didn't really have that business background that I felt I needed to really succeed and excel in, in the business world. And I liked the format because it let me go to class and learn things and then go back to work the next day and apply them, uh, which was really great for me. Uh, the location was also ideal for my family situation as my wife was a doctor here in D.C. So those were kind of the factors that, that led me to DART. Uh, and it, like I said, it's great to be here. All right, Colleen, I'll come to you next. Tell us a little bit more about you and how you decided to pursue an MBA. That's a tough fact to follow, but um, my name is Colleen Mehta. I'm, I currently work as a, a, a cloud program manager for Amazon Web Services. I had to think about that for a second. Sorry. I've been there for about a year. Um, my background actually is incredibly different than REMS, but also just I spent in you know public service and government. So I spent the last 10 years on Capitol Hill, moving up um, kind of in IT management and a little bit of policy. And I was, and part of my reason for why an MBA was that I needed also to take the next step in the business world, but I needed the tools to really set me up for success. Um, so I can, you know, not, not just survive, but thrive in the next roles. Fast forward a year, I'm, I've been at Amazon for about a year and it's been great so far. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Colleen. All right. That's two of the five people we're going to introduce you to here this evening. We're going to keep rolling. We've never had this many introductions on a podcast. We, we are breaking a lot of new ground uh, for our listeners. Uh, just so you know, to set the full picture, uh, we're here tonight with Learning Team 2. Yes, we have five guests here on the, on the podcast. Yes, it is 8.30 p.m. on a Monday before a holiday. And this group... They're here. They're grinding. I don't. These people don't even have class anymore, and yet, um, you know, they're done for the for the quarter, so to speak. And yet, they are here for the podcast. Johnny Carpenter, you're also the first podcast guest um, who's called in from Miami. I think uh, yet another first here. Johnny, can I come to you? For sure. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It is a a dream come true to follow in John and Rem's footsteps, and to finally be on this world-renowned podcast. Um, but yeah, right now in Miami in a hotel room, we play the University of Miami, Florida in basketball tomorrow. I'm on the University of Virginia's coaching staff. And kind of how I got into Darden in the first place was when COVID hit, our season entirely shut down. Most people went back to work in some capacity. We literally couldn't do anything. We couldn't work with our guys, couldn't meet with them on Zoom. There's just a lot of liabilities uh, in place and we just had to figure out kind of what's next, you know? So as a staff, we tried to improve and get better. And then I kind of thought to myself, how can I challenge myself and maybe be prepared for if this is prolonged or if the next great pandemic hits, I can actually have something to potentially fall back on. And that's how I applied and why I applied to Darden. And since then it's kind of allowed me to apply 
directly different leadership skills and techniques from the classes and then also kind of push a different side of my brain that hasn't really been pushed in school in terms of just like the harder mathematics-based classes and just kind of economics and things like that. Like our world is very much more people-oriented and talent development and that. So I kind of want to just challenge myself in a new way and figure out maybe a different career to pivot, maybe do something on the side um, and just kind of think more outside of the box. Well, thank you, Johnny. And for our listeners, you know, this program, executive MBA program, yes, we're going to ask you about your career goals through the application process, but it's fair to say for our students, this is about exploration. It's about seeing what's possible for you. There's a lot of self-discovery that happens in it. Being on a learning team, being part of this community is definitely part of that process. You meet all kinds of incredible people and you get all kinds of ideas uh, from, from them. So thank you so much, Johnny. Catherine, can I come to you next? Sure. Hi, Brett. Thanks for having me. Um, I have a, a bit of an atypical background for an MBA student. Um, I was a teacher, actually, an uh, elementary school teacher for about eight years. Um, I taught first and second grade. And then after I had two of my kids, I took some time off from working for about a year and then found myself uh, I fully intended on going back into teaching, but found myself working in a law firm, actually, um, just in an, in an administrative role there. Um, and then over the next six, five or six years, kind of worked my way up. Um, and then my boss one day came to me and said, hey, um, you know, we see you developing into a leader at this firm and uh, approached me with the idea of getting my MBA. Um, and so that was very appealing to me. I love school. Uh, I love going to school. So I was never going to turn down an opportunity to go to school. Um, and also just looking to expand my knowledge. I never, um, you know, had any background in business at all. So looking to expand my knowledge by um, coming to Darden. So this has been a great experience for me. I've learned um, so much. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, just it's been a great, great learning experience for me. Thank you, Catherine. I, I appreciate just all the, the difference that's been shared thus far in terms of your backgrounds and where you're coming from. I hope this is hitting with our, our listeners. We have, as Catherine just shared, she comes from a teaching background, obviously work for a law firm now, and they encourage her to think about an MBA. Johnny, before uh, working on a basketball coaching staff, thinking about how do you expand opportunities in your career, Colleen, uh, Amazon Web Services, but before before that, worked worked on the Hill and, the, and then RIM. Uh, you have uh, from a Navy background, currently at DARPA, lots of lots of difference. John Grant, you get the last word here. You started us off. Yeah. Tell us more about you. Well, um, thanks again, Brett, and thanks for taking the time. Uh, and thanks to all of you for making the time to be here. Um, first of all, if you want more a more in-depth um, exposure to me, uh, there's a previous iteration of this podcast available on all major platforms. Um, that you can download um, and listen to. Um, a lot of my career has been really, almost entirely my career has been at nonprofits working in policy and advocacy. Um, uh, I pivoted into more of a, a government relations uh, space. and But the reason I came to Darden was to try to figure out um, how to switch what I'm doing just kind of broadly um, you know, into maybe there's a whole different sector that I could be interested in. So I came to Darden to help uh, explore that and figure it out. And um, along the way, I met these tremendous people and 
um, they've really enhanced my experience along the way. Thank you, John. And it, it's an expert guest, a real pro that promotes their previous episode when doing their introduction. Our listeners know that. And I also note uh, we have another team member joining us. I'm not going to um, put him on the spot or anything for any introductions. Just note that there is a team member who's joined us just to support uh, this crowd and to be here. That should tell you enough about Learning Team 2. Not only are they here at 8.30 p.m. at, at night on a non-class day in between quarters, uh, they also have just a team member here hanging out, maybe second screening, possibly, uh, but nevertheless here for emotional support. Um, a couple a couple other things for you to know about these folks and where they are in the program. Uh, they are currently uh, in in between quarter eight and quarter nine, um, rounding the home stretch, so to speak. Uh, they can see graduation in May out there on the horizon. Uh, they are fully in the elective period of the executive MBA program, picking uh, their own classes. They've got two more quarters, LR2, and it's a wrap. So a lot to look forward to. All right. Now let's get down to business. Let's talk about uh, your learning team, how you figured out to work, how you figured out how you wanted to work together, uh, how you helped and supported each other across the first, say, 16 months or so uh, of the program. Um, so, Colleen, um, can I come to you first for this first question? So when people ask you, tell me about your learning team. What's Learning Team 2 all about? What do you tell people? Uh, so we we jokingly said during LR1 that we describe each other as elite. We're an elite learning team. Um, <laughs> now, how I describe this learning team is just a second family to really help you get through the program. Um, a lot for a lot of us, we haven't been in school for a number of years. Maybe not Catherine, she since she was a teacher, but the rest of us haven't been in school for a long time, and there was some adjustment. Um, and it would be really hard to get through the program without this family here. Uh, another way to describe the team is just incredibly supportive. Whether it's celebrating wins or helping each other through losses, like I, there's a, we just have a constant stream of communication building each other up at all times. And it's just absolutely incredible. I will note that even during this podcast, there's a constant stream of communication going on in the chat. I am only just party to, I can't imagine that you probably also have WhatsApp, any number of other things going, maybe a Slack thread too. Um, but it's clear that you all enjoy each other's company. You all have a lot of jokes too. Uh, the, the, your comment about, you know, this being an elite team, no doubt you are all very special people, but I know you. I know your sense of humor. Obviously, you're saying that a little bit tongue in tongue in cheek. Um, I, I'm I'm curious, Johnny, when um, when you share with people, all right, we've got this learning team where it's like a family, support each other, all this kind of stuff. What do you enjoy about being part of learning team two here? Honestly, it's hard to think about just one thing because there are so many things that I do enjoy about this team. Um, Practically on the pragmatic level, we're able to get through hard stuff together, right? The program is extremely rewarding and it also is very challenging in a good way. Requires a lot of time, requires a lot of communication, requires a lot of work. And we try to leverage and rely on each other for strengths in different areas. Some of us were, uh, we got to give a big shout out to some of the heavy lifters on the squad. Um, I was not one of them, but I uh, tried to contribute where um, I could. Um, but I think the thing I'm most thankful for 
is that it is outside of the classroom that there's this genuine care for each other. And because we care so much about each other individually outside the classroom, it only strengthens that bond. You know, like time does kind of go by pretty quickly. We've worked with each other for a long time. And to think that this is almost getting there close to the end, we know that some like at times it's like, man, are we going to be in the same classes and that kind of thing? But we've still maintained great communication with each other. And we've even linked up outside of OGR weekends just to catch up and not even talk about class. You know, um, John and his family came to Charlottesville and me and my wife, we just went out to eat with them, you know, and we just hung out. It wasn't even talking about real Darden or anything like that. It's just quality time with each other. And I know there's countless examples of that within the group. So for me, the thing I'm most thankful for is the genuine, true, strong bond that I know is going to last a very long time. Rim, what do you enjoy about being part of Learning Team 2? Yeah, I mean, kind of like building on on what uh, the others have said already, I think there's something to be said about having an accountability system and also an honest feedback loop. Um, You know, when you work with people closely who really, really know you well, uh, there's just so much added value from that. So for instance, if I'm being self-conscious about a comment I made in class, I have absolutely no hesitation to reach out to the people on this podcast and say, hey, like, did I come across the wrong way? And I know that they're going to tell me if I did. And if I didn't, they'll make me feel better about it. Uh, Additionally, there's something to be said about it's 11 o'clock at night, midnight for an on-grounds residency. And maybe you don't feel like doing the prep work, but you know that you're the person who's carrying this specific case. You're going to do it. And so maybe without that accountability mechanism, you know, maybe the learning would suffer to an extent. So there's those are probably my favorite aspects, just the accountability and then the, the honest feedback. Catherine, what has Learning Team 2 kind of meant to you as you've navigated the program? Well, this is such a loaded question. Uh, I mean, I, I really would just echo a lot of what everybody else has said that, you know, this is a team that I think the the sole purpose of it is to kind of share the load of the coursework, which is immense and it's impossible to do it alone. And so I think having a team to to help share the load is really important. Um, but beyond that, you know, we've come together as a family, really. And uh, the friendships that we've made, you know, we... Colleen saying that we we build each other up, which is true. Uh, we also give each other a really hard time sometimes, and we can joke around. Um, but it just it brings a levity to what I think could otherwise be a pretty serious experience uh, that just makes it all that much more enjoyable. Um, And, you know, like Johnny said, I think I have no doubt that we will continue to stay in touch and, and stay friends for a long time because of the, um, you know, just the, the solid friendship that we've built during the, the, these, this past year and a half and, and we'll continue to build. All right. So it's clear you all like each other. You enjoyed joking around. I mean, the chat is only apparently part of the equation. There's apparently a text thread running. You clearly have this connection. And, you know, I've been around DART for about seven and a half years. A number of the learning teams really kind of have, are have functioning in this way. And the students really find their groove. And then sometimes folks 
within that first uh, quarter or so, they say, you know what, um, maybe I need to join another team. So I'm very curious um, about you know your team and how you came together um, so quickly. Um, John, you know what what is it that helped bring y'all together, get you to this place where you've really enjoyed uh, working together? Well, it's it's really interesting, Brett. So the way that Darden is laid out, um, you have a week up front in Charlottesville called a, a leadership residency, um, LR1. Uh, there's also an LR2, which is a capstone at the end of um, the Darden experience. So I think it's like day two of LR1. Maybe it's day one. I don't even remember. But um, you get about like 20, 30 minutes to get in a room and you're meeting these people for really the first time um, in a lot of instances. I know for me, it was, that was the case. Um, and it was fascinating to me because we got in this learning team room and we just sat down and we talked about ourselves and things that were important to us. And we all just clicked like right away. Um, and that's not always common in that setting, I imagine. But later on that week, um, I think the thing that really brought us together was there was a project as part of our LR1 experience where we needed to make some kind of team video. And um, we made we made a video um, that was uh, about something that we learned in LR1. And um, our video really brought us really close together, I think. Um, we had a major assist from Coach Johnny in getting us a location at... Um, UVA's basketball arena, John Paul Jones arena. Um, and, uh, and so we made a, a video that was kind of a spoof on Ted Lasso. Um, that was, we're in, um, Rem, Remington Roth, uh, was a basketball coach. Uh, and we actually ended up winning the, uh, the Darden film competition as a result of that. But, um, all of that aside, uh, the most important thing was it really brought us all together, um, uh, really quickly. And we were, we were laughing like we knew each other. For, for five years um, at the end of that afternoon. So, Johnny, I've got to come to you next. Uh, as John was talking, I mean, it's clear that like, this story resonates with you a bit. It all comes back to LR1, that first week in Charlottesville. It does. I mean, pre credit to you guys for all the detail and time that you guys go through and putting the learning teams together. I'm sure there's um, science and magic combined to kind of how you guys organize it. But when we were brainstorming, obviously we went through the establishing learning team norms and that was one way we got to kind of know each other. And then that project, which isn't something we're all very comfortable with, right? We don't have the best video editing skills. We don't have the best, little did we know we had the best actors um, maybe on the, in the entire cohort, but um, it was just doing something new, doing something fun, doing something uncomfortable. And when I tell you how hard we were laughing I was like, if I'm going to have this much fun over the next two years, then this is the best decision ever. Because my face was hurting from just the amount of laughing we we did. We So we did a spoof off of Ted Lasso. Um, we call it Johnny Lasso. Um, we filmed it at John Paul Jones Arena, where I work. So we basically kind of incorporated different parts of the facility. And it was just fun. We brainstormed. We put scenes together. Um, and I got to give credit to Rem. Um, Rem Roth was the bad coach, Coach Rem, um, and he did a tremendous job. And we were all just really enjoying it. We had to do a couple of outtakes because we were just laughing so hard. And 
I think there's something to be said about when you do something brand new and you can have that much fun doing it with such a great group. It just bonds you and connects you in a way that is so much bigger than just like getting to know each other. It's like doing something together, doing something together that's fun. We didn't know it was going to go over well. And then we kind of afterwards were like, wow, this is actually pretty neat. And we sent it to our family and our friends and they were all like, yo, this is really, really awesome stuff. Um, so that, that was definitely what kind of set it off. Well, I'll say a couple couple things. I mean, we do spend a fair amount of time working on the learning teams. Um, we try to think about a lot of different things, as I mentioned previously. I think, you know, we also try to give some thought as to how we think the different personalities. The nice thing about the admissions process is that we get to really know people uh, through the process. And so we do try to think about how you will work as a group. I think that's something that's that's important uh, for us. I can't say that we get it right all the time. As I mentioned before, some of the teams really hit it off and then other teams, they say, oh, well, maybe I'll go work with somebody else. Um, but it's always affirming for us to say, to hear the feedback of like, we really like each other. We're getting along. You know, we're, we're working well, well together. And I'm, I'm always curious about how teams set their norms. I think this is good for our listeners to hear because it's a process. Now, when I initially asked, uh, y'all, you were like, how did we do that? But Catherine, I, I feel like you have to have some insights here as to how you figured out how you're going to work together. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, again, I do think this goes back to giving giving props to you guys on the admissions team for putting us together, because I think in many ways, and maybe this isn't super helpful to the listeners, but in many ways, we just kind of gelled very naturally together as a group. And I think Actually, one of the things that I think helped us gel together so quickly was probably the fact that we all, you know, while we all came here to learn and to grow, that was really our primary motivation, Uh, you know, instead of like getting a 4.0, that was not really any of our uh, goals in coming out of Darden. And so I think that kind of removed a layer of pressure that I think a lot of groups might put on themselves. Um, And so that also gave us, I think, the freedom to kind of play to our strengths in that way. Um, And so I am naturally a very organized person. So I put together a spreadsheet of, uh, you know, classes that we had upcoming with readings that we had and kind of dividing up the work. Um, and then Rem did the majority of our work for it. I'm just kidding, but also sort of true. <laughs> Rem did the heavy lifting for us for sure. And we, we got to give a shout out to him. Um, but yeah. And so I think everybody just kind of played to their strengths in the things that they felt like they were strong in. And I think that it again, it really came together very naturally, and everybody kind of picked up their piece uh, and and ran with it. Um, and so, yeah, I would say kind of taking the time to sit down and sort of evaluate what uh, what strengths people have would be really important um, in in your first few meetings as a team. So figuring out what each person can offer, what you can contribute to the group. Rim, I got it. Catherine set you up for this. I, I got to come to you next. So what does what does it mean to have you do maybe not all the heavy lifting, but some of the heavy lifting? What I mean, what do, what exactly does that mean in the parlance of, of your team? Well, I, I think it just is a side effect of helping where you can. So for, for my specific situation, I'd considered going to a full-time MBA program. I was kind of between the two age groups and my 
like my life situation, my family, it made more sense to go to a Ember program. So I found myself choosing a job after I knew I was going to join the Ember program. So in the realm of where are your priorities, uh, classwork was more of a priority than my career at that point in time. And so that really gave me extra bandwidth, which gave an opportunity for me to do um, you know, may- maybe more of the prep work than, than I otherwise would have. So if you end up in a situation where, you know, someone has a busy week at work, they're presenting or filling in for their boss, I was just conveniently positioned to be able to, to pick up some of that slack. So that, that's all that means. But I think the, the idea of flexing to fill the gaps for each other is really where the learning teams shine. And, and sometimes that's a capabilities gap. And sometimes it's, it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. It's just a, a bandwidth and a time gap. All right. So I want to keep with this this theme of sort of like figuring out what everybody could add, because I imagine y'all all have some idea of how you were able to contribute to the group now. Um, and because you have this practice experience now, you're eight quarters in. Uh, Kuin, um, as the group started to work together, did you have a sense of what you could add and, and sort of bring to this mix? Yeah. Um, well, first, I want, before I answer that, I also want to add that Rem is selling himself short a little bit and that he is a very natural teacher. And I guess this kind of ties in, um, but he was a very natural teacher. And that's what really, it was more than just covering some of the workload. It was making sure that everyone on this call knew what was going on so that they can then build upon that in class and really make meaningful strides in their learning. Um, <clears throat> now to actually answer your question, I think I think it takes time. Uh, when we first started out, I think for Q1, we we all tried to do everything. And it's just, I think that's, it's an intentional learning curve uh, that Darden might give you, but w- there was just, there was no way that we could all get to everything. And so at that point, we started with Catherine's spreadsheet and really divvying up the workloads. And to Rem's point, we really started, I think we each first pulled into the things that we were good at. So some of our leadership classes, I mean, Johnny and John really, they 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 just gravitated towards those classes. Rem and I gravitated towards some of the, the, the more quant stuff because we were both mathy and CK really and Lizzie both could kind of do both. Um, but from there, we, I think at some, I don't remember when, but at some point we also started to stretch and we would, I noticed that everyone would start to sign up for a, a quant class and a leadership class. And I think that's where a lot of that learning came in from because it's easy to lean into what you already know. But if you want to grow, you've got to try the thing you don't know. That's that's why we're here. So we want to learn the things we don't know. I thought I think we just naturally again, like I, I hate to give that answer, but it was just one of those things where actually that's a good point. Um, where we had the psychological safety uh between our group mates to just try new things and know that if I if I got the concept wrong and when I was presenting to our group, if I if I was to get it wrong, someone else would help bail me out and save me. And so we were all I think we always had that just security of trying the new thing in the small group. And then, you know, part of Darden is, you know, case method in class, you're responsible. You might get a cold call. You, you never know. So you you should always know what's going on. And we would plan that. We'd, we'd build that out in, in our learning team meetings. So Kulina, a follow-up question for you. What does it mean in quarter one that everybody was trying to do everything? Like what, what does that look like um, for our listeners? Cause I think, I think this progression is very real for executive MBA students and any MBA student at Darden. And I, I think it's important to say like what that looks like versus where you may be now. So, yeah, that's fair. So 
In quarter one, you start out with three classes. So in each quarter is about six to eight weeks. Um, each of those classes has about four, 12 to 14 cases. So you're responsible for 42 cases in a short period of time. And usually they they build upon each other. So you're looking at hours of reading, hours of doing homework, and fitting that into your already busy schedule. You might have a family, you're working, and you didn't have time before, but now you need to find the time for Darden. And so, I mean, 42 cases, if you were to say at two, two and a half hours a case, you're looking at 100 hours of work that you didn't have in, built into your life prior. And in Q1, it's that's that's the hard the hard part of the curve. Um, but from there, what, what we did was we realized at the end of Q1 that it's just too much. And, it, and that really kind of ties into work and leadership too. Like at some point you needed to trust your team to be able to do the work. And so at some point we, I think in Q2, we would create that signup sheet and we would all sign up for two cases. And the norm we set was try and read all of the cases if you can. But for two of the cases each uh, on grounds weekend, you're responsible for being, you have to deep dive into those two and present uh, whatever you've learned, all the key facts, the key learnings to the group so that um, everyone would be on the same page uh, come the on grounds weekend. Again, that just another shout out to Rem. That's where like him being a natural teacher um, on some of the harder topics, it was just so helpful. Thank you for walking us through that, because I, I do think hitting that wall and realizing, oh, my gosh, I can't do all this by myself and being able to let go and have other people take some of the slack and help you along the way. That is an important part of the Darden progression. Um, and it's challenging for really high performing people to get comfortable with not doing everything at exactly 100 percent all the all the time and asking other folks for help. Catherine, uh, I want to come back to you real quick, uh, because Colleen talked about the spreadsheet. And I, I'm, I've ne we've never done a spreadsheet on the podcast or talked about a spreadsheet in great detail on the podcast. But I think it would be helpful just at a high level if you could talk a little bit about what it looked like and how it was helpful to your team in terms of managing uh, the workload. Sure. It's um, I mean, it, it's essentially like a glorified sign up sheet. That's <laughs> really what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, I. I actually had, I guess he was a 2021 grad, um, Stephen Weir. I don't know if you know him, but shout out to Stephen Weir. He gave me his, I guess he started in Q7. He started a spreadsheet where he put every single reading with the links to it and then kind of had his own tracker of when he had done the prep and, you know, the date that he had finished and any notes that he had. And so I started copying that over right from, LR1, I started it. Um, and then I would also copy it over for our learning team. And then I would put a modified version up for our signups for the, the cases that we were going to sign up for. Um, but that, you know, it was, again, if you, if you have friends that have done the program and any, any advice that they can give you or things that they can pass down to you, um, you know, that's not obviously an honor <laughs> violation, but any any tips and tricks that they can pass down to you, um, super helpful to have that. Um, and and really, it helped me organize my learning right from the very beginning. And I'm still using it now. I just modify it each quarter for my classes. Thank you for sharing that. Stephen has been on the podcast uh, when he was just starting to launch his own fractional 
uh, CFO business. He's gone on to do even bigger things. Um, but I didn't know about this legacy of of a sp- of a spreadsheet. That that is that sounds exactly like him, by the way. Um, so he, what's also yeah? Go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to say he's he's a great guy, and he actually just now is CEO of that company. So you should have him back on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll note a, a couple things that I th- think are interesting about what you shared thus far. I think picking up on something that Colleen said, Colleen, did I understand you correctly that like, so you create the spreadsheet, these are the readings, and you would even to stretch yourself, start thinking about I'm going to sign up for a reading in a quant course and a leadership course. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I, pre- I appreciate that rather than just going to the thing that comes easiest or most natural. Uh, for you, which would probably be the the tendency, and I always I always wonder about how teams manage this. If like the accounting person just is constantly just doing all quant stuff, and and the people who have more qualitative skills are just doing all qualitative stuff. It, it, ideally, I think you're, you're cross training. Uh, to to your point here, um, John John Grant, uh, tell us about what you felt like you could add to the team as you were looking around to this group and figuring out what your value add would be. Uh, definitely math skills. That was probably my, uh, my number one ad. Um, that's a joke. Um, I, I'm like the least quant person in the entire, probably in the history of Darden. Um, but I made it through, uh, really truly thanks to this, to the folks on this call, right? Um, Colleen and Rem in particular were incredibly helpful in, in helping me with a lot of the quant stuff that, you know, my brain is just not naturally wired that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I naturally gravitate towards, you know, writing and um, exposition and kind of more storytelling. And so there were ways that I could help uh, in that regard. And also in some of the strategy pieces, um, that was important. And the other thing that I think is really important just in the in the context of um, of what we're talking about today is just what Colleen said, right? That, that, you know, I signed up for some of the more quant stuff to try to explain to our team. Um, and, you know, I didn't always nail it on the first go round. Um, but you know, nobody ever grilled me for that. It was more like, you know, I think you're mostly there and, and here's, here's, uh, you know, an important piece that, that adds to this. And so, uh, you know, I think that was a really helpful way for me to push myself and, and to learn a little more. Um, but then some of the more, you know, we, we took marketing classes that, uh, where, you know, I was able to contribute, um, more to, you know, some of the more creative pieces on that front. But, um, just in general, you know, I think, you know, my takeaway from all of this is that, um, reinforcing everything that that everybody else has said here is that business school is a team sport. Um, you can't, um, uh, you know, it's tough to get through it just on your own. Um, and how much I learned from everybody else on this call, which is an intentional thing and an intentional part of how Darden teaches these cases, that um, that it really is an important step in the process. And so, um, you know, that that to me, I think, is a, a major, major takeaway um, from, from my Darden experience overall. I think that's probably one of the most surprising things about an MBA program, because I think, honestly, people tend to think about school as a largely solitary activity. I go to class, I read mostly by myself, prepare, study by myself again, and then take an exam also by myself. This is the previous, I think, version of school that people know. And then come to Darden and you're in class, you're having a discussion. And by the way, before class, you had this learning team discussion. And then afterwards, you're probably going to have a team discussion and no one can do all this work uh, by themselves. And so you have to 
ask people for help. And, and sometimes you reach beyond your learning team. There's maybe a person or two in the class that has a lot of expertise in a particular area. You might bring them in. Uh, we've even had instances where teams have combined um, and formed like a super team. Um, all kinds of things happen. But the point is that this is a team sport to John's point. Um, John, a, a follow-up question, because there's this notion of psychological safety has come up. And, and we like to think that this is something that's important here at Darden. You can't have all the all these discussions and all these interactions without it. How did y'all get to this point? It can't. Was it all LR1 and just you hit it off and you all felt safe? Or was there, did y'all have a discussion about how you wanted to operate as a team and engage with each other? We did. I mean, we, we had a conversation as part of that process in LR1, but I also think it's just kind of who we are as people. I, uh, you know, going into this process, I was flying a little blind um, and had some expectation about business school being somewhat of a cutthroat endeavor. And Darden could not be further from that. Um, you know, if anything, it's been the exact opposite. People have been incredibly encouraging and willing to um, help. I think that's the uh, another key thing is that um, even in a class, you know, where we're graded on a curve, if you're not getting a concept on something, ask someone and they'll be willing to help you. Um, that's especially true of our team. But uh, I do think that it's kind of through more broadly that um, that people want to help. They want to help you uh, understand this material and 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 have a positive experience. So Johnny Carpenter, what did you feel like you could you could add to the team uh, in addition to access to John Paul Jones Arena? It should be very clear. But what else? What else could you? What else did you feel like? This is this is my value add. That's a really good question. Uh, I'd be curious of what the teammates have to say about that. Um, to be honest, I don't know. I think when it comes down to it, I probably look at things more, I don't say philosophically, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm in this profession, right? My, I feel called to this profession I'm in right now because I'm just someone who wants to encourage and speak truth and kind of just bring some extra ener energy, kind of bring extra, if someone's struggling, just give them a little bit of a pep talk. And I know that's not technically like a, class related thing, but I just feel like that's something that I've been put on this earth to do for my job. And I felt like that's something I could bring a little bit more to um, the business world. Cause honestly, it's all the same, like the same principles driving fortune 500 companies are the same driving college basketball teams at any level, the same principles of learning from what's going on in economics, right? Like you can apply that too. And I think I just wanted to try to be someone who could encourage, try to um, energize, try to just, I always like try to give props to, like, I'm not just someone who wants to blow smoke or just gas up all the time. I will do that because I think there's times and place where we all need that extra little bit. But at the same time, just like when someone does do something that they're not comfortable doing, like, hey, taking the lead on an FMP reading and building it out and presenting, I mean, that takes like, that's a lot for someone who's not necessarily great at that. Right. So I would always try to encourage them or just set, if someone said something in class, try to say good job. And um, so I'd probably say that would be my value add, but um, we'll, well, I'll try to uh, ask the learning. I think that's a good question for all the learning teams in general, just reflective, like asking each of their members, you know, what did so-and-so add? We'll save that for the extended documentary about learning team two. Let's talk a little bit more about advice for future teams. Now, we've already had some advice uh, handed out here. 
Uh, Catherine, I imagine you'll probably have a few people reaching out to you about this spreadsheet. Um, shout out again, Stephen Weir, um, for, for his work on that. But beyond just the, the sort of practical of like spreadsheet, spreadsheet et cetera, um, what, what else would you encourage, you know, future learning teams to, to, to think about? This episode will likely air as we're kind of in the months leading up to the start of school. Some people have already turned their attention uh, to it. Rim, advice for future learning teams? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to take this one. Um, I guess just as an overall comment, I think that the people who tend to choose Darden are the types of people that Darden would want to choose as well. So there's some self-selection there. And what I mean is um, there, I think some of my classmates alluded to this earlier. There are some business schools that have reputations for, for being cutthroat, and that's one thing. But Darden is a very collaborative and encouraging place. And if you come to Darden, with the expectation that you're going to be on collaborative, encouraging teams and you buy into that, then it becomes a reality. So I, I would say the advice would be to come in with an open mind and embrace the culture that you, you want to be a part of and then live that. And that's part of the accountability. I mean, all of us came in with the mindset that, hey, we're, we're at Darden. That's the type of team that we want to have. And it's the type of team that we became. I really like that idea. There is this self-selection aspect. People ask me all the time, how do you, why do people choose this program? And it's an interesting question because honestly, when you meet the people who are in this program, it's hard to imagine them in another kind of program because they are so typically interested in their classmates. They're interested in being active participants. They're engaged members. Like they've all chosen this experience driven executive MBA and executive MBA program. And I, I think to your point, if you will, it, it it is no dream, so so to speak. It is a uh, it's you know the program that you want to have, the experience that you want to have. Um, there's an opportunity for that here. Learning team is a great example of that. Um, Colleen, uh, advice for for future learning teams. Yeah. Um, before I move off of Rem's point, just something that affected me recently was I was debating um, whether or not to take a job. I had a, I have a standing job job offer currently. And I was put in touch with an alum from 12 years ago who is in a fairly senior, like shockingly senior, well, not shockingly, but like very senior role. And he found time for me within a day. Um, at the end of our conversation, he's like, you know what? I really want you to talk to one of my classmates and set me up with another very senior person. And we had a call 15 hours later. So it's two different um, that that were willing to make time for me on almost no notice. And they each gave me an hour. Um, so that like the collaborativeness of this community goes, extends well beyond school. Um, like for them, 12 years past their graduation date. Um, another advice for, well, so to actually answer the question now, um, it's to not take everything so seriously. Um, we're in business school and it's something that we did. I think Rem alluded to it earlier, but um, we're in business school to learn and not like, so we can, we can be cutthroat. We can take everything seriously. We can get everything done and get the highest grade. A DP is the highest grade on everything that would come at the cost of something else, namely time. And that time isn't just like your own personal time, but it's also time to bond with each other. When you're on on grounds weekends, you can go back to your room and continue reading, or you can go have dinner with classmates and that's where the aspect of 
just remembering to also have fun and really forming those bonds, I think is for me, the best advice that I can give. I appreciate that point, Colleen. When we, we first started the podcast, we would ask, you know, people towards the, towards the end of the program, what's, what's one piece of advice you would give your former self and, you know, the, the self that was beginning the program Q1, they were like, let's, let's focus on doing all the reading more about getting to know my classmates and, um, it feels real to me. It feels very true. Like you, you will have plenty of time to get through the reading. Your learning teams here. Um, what moves very quickly is the program and your opportunity to build those relationships with your classmates. So, um, Catherine, a word of advice for future learning teams. Oh, let's see. So I think one thing that I thought about, well, I, I'll say this first. I didn't have any expectations coming into this about what my learning team would be like. And actually I, I listened, I looked at the podcast and I think I may even asked you, Brett, some questions during our interview, but just questions about the learning team and what that looked like, because it looks very different at each school that I was interested in. Um, and so, yeah, I came into it not really knowing what to expect. Um, and I think maybe this goes to kind of what Rem was saying about approaching it with an open mind. Um, but I really think that that was one thing that we kind of all came to the table just sort of in many ways kind of like doe-eyed when we walked into LR1, not knowing what to expect, but being really open to um a, a great experience and an experience that focused on learning and focused on relationships. And I think that is one reason why our team is still so close today, because those were the things that we were focused on. Um, so I would just say, you know, be open to that. I like that idea, though, that y'all came with an open mind and they allowed the learning team to kind of become what it would become rather than Maybe you have a couple people that have a lot of strong ideas about what the team is. And those other other three or four people are trying to catch up with those people. And the, the team just kind of falls apart. I think there's something about that kind of all kind of being in, a, in the same place. Johnny Carpenter, piece of advice for future future learning teams. Kind of like a hybrid of some of the answers that have already been said. Just make time outside of Darden to get to know each other. Um, and not just even with with your learning team, great, but then Colleen may have met someone that he's really close with and you start bouncing around and then like you start getting to know other learning teams and then your learning teams will hang out. And like you said, then it starts morphing into this really neat network of people that you're not even work, like, yeah, you're doing school with, right? But you're getting to know them outside. I think that just is what strengthens everything else. Nobody cares how much you know unless they know how much you care, right? And like at the end of the day, when we were able to connect outside of like true tasks and just laugh and spend time with each other, go out to eat and have learning team dinners. I think the learning team dinners early on was really cool um, because especially because you're kind of nervous meeting new people. Some of us don't feel qualified to even be in this same room, same zoom calls, right. As I know that's imposter syndrome, but initially that's what it feels like. I mean, there's brilliant minds in this program that can almost be intimidating at times, but I think we're all there for a reason, right? To add value in some different way and getting to know each other outside. So just building in that time to get to know each other and to give each other a chance. I think that makes a big difference. I want to, I want to 
pause just for one second as we as we talk about time, because some of our listeners, they're, they're hearing this, they're, they're thinking, okay, great, this is a high-functioning team. They had a spreadsheet, this way of dividing up work. They were teaching each other. They were making time for a learning team, dinners during the weekend residencies, and they got to know other people in the class. Did y'all do a lot of meeting during the week? Um, Colleen, did y'all have like, like, like Zoom calls at night and um, how did, what did your schedule look like um, as you were navigating all this? Yeah, so there were, I guess, two two schedules. For the weeks where we just have evening classes, we would meet for an hour or two on the weekend to, to debrief those those cases. Then for ahead of the weekend residencies, we would meet during the normal class slots and meet for about two hours each night in preparation. Every single one of those, we had an agenda. We were going to hit these cases. And every single one of those opened with, hey, how's everyone doing? Let's chit-chat. Let's get a lot of getting to know each other, check in on each other. And then, oh, oh, no, a lot of time passed. We we needed to like, get through the cases. <laughs> was it tough to find a schedule that worked for everybody or was it relatively easy? This is one of the complexities that I sometimes hear from teams as they try to iron all this out. Yeah, that's that's actually a great question. Uh, I've heard that that's been something that's made or break or broken some LTs. Uh, for us, I think we kind of decided we, one we left the flexibility. I think at the end of LR one, we kind of came up with a loose idea, and then we shifted as things came up for people. But um, I think like early on, I mentioned like I am not a morning person, and everyone everyone was happy to to give me that break, and we met in the evenings. Um, on the weekends, I was always flexible, but I think some other folks had, um, engagements on certain days. So I think we were doing Sunday evenings. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how it actually came together, but I think it was, um, just everyone had an open mind and we would share some, some restraints. If we, if there were any restrictions, everyone shared them. And then that let us find a time that, that worked for everyone. Catherine, that resonates with you, uh, what Colleen is sharing here? Yeah, I think I I sort of became the default scheduler, I think, for, for our team. Um, but I think, actually, I do feel like we decided on that Sunday night meeting at LR1 and then kind of realized as we got into our first couple of on-grounds weekends that since we didn't have class, I don't know that that was clear to us at, when we were at LR1, but then when we realized we didn't have class on that Tuesday and Thursday evening, it became really easy just to, we already had that time slot kind of booked, so to speak. Um, and so using that for preparation was was easy. But, you know, it's never easy to find time for six people to meet together. And a lot of us have kids too, and schedules and busy jobs and things like that. Um, so I think it can be a little bit intimidating, but, um, you know, what's nice about LR1 is that everybody is kind of motivated to want to meet together and kind of find that schedule that you really, at least we did stick to for most of um, if not all of the first year, and even sometimes, even still, if we have similar classes. A follow-up question for you, Catherine, and apologies for getting really in the weeds here, but this is one of these things that I know for working professional teams, they really have struggled with. Did y'all require that everybody be there for the team meetings, or was there a way to catch people up if they miss? Like, how did y'all manage that? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, no, we did not require it. And we definitely, you know, like I said, everybody has really busy schedules. Um, and so there was a lot of grace if you couldn't make the meeting. And I think, um, you know, our group was really good about absorbing the cases that somebody may have signed up for, but then couldn't make the meeting. There was always somebody that could step in and kind of give a backup summary of the case. Um, and then we always recorded our meetings too. So if, if somebody wasn't there, then they could just watch the recording later. Nice. Thank you all for uh, indulging the, the time digression, but it is probably one of those things that I hear so much from teams that go round and around trying to figure out a schedule so much. I appreciate what, what you shared uh, for our listeners who are, are picking up on the, on the schedule. So you typically will have online class a couple nights a week, but you will not have distance classes the week leading up to a weekend residency, which if you've already gotten your life oriented around, oh, I don't know, Tuesday and Thursday classes, 7 to 8.30 p.m., might be easy to find that time in your schedule in advance of that weekend residency for, for a learning team uh, meeting. I've heard all kinds of different strategies, teams that meet like right before class, right after class, um, because they're already there all online. That, that may, you know, there's no one right approach here. You kind of have to work with the people within your team because you know, people have very busy and full lives, as discussed. All right, John Grant, coming back to you after that brief uh, interruption, temporal interruption, uh, to talk about what's your piece of advice uh, for future learning teams? Uh, you know, Brett, I know that you're a big 90s music fan, as am I. Um, it's the the old Pearl Jam song, State of Love and Trust, right? Like, we 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 built a lot of that um and and really relied on each other over um, the course of our time at um, at Darden. But I think that you know probably the best advice that I got um, was during LR one, and I was talking with Barbara Millar, who um, led our section um, in our LR one experience. And you know, I asked her, you know, what's what's some advice that you would give? And 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 she said, you know, just lean into it. You have to lean into this experience if if you really want to make it happen. And so. Um, uh, you know, I did, uh, and I really tried to lean into our team. Uh, and I think that made a huge difference for my learning experience and, and frankly, for my life, you know, I've learned so much from these folks and had the great pleasure of getting to know all of them so much, so well. Um, but also that bleeds out into the program as well, right? If you're, if you're really committing to doing this with your team, you're being held accountable for the stuff you said you were going to do, and you're holding other people accountable to it. Um, but also you're, you're building trust and, 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 and growing together as people that, that, that can't help but bleed out into an environment where you're trying to, to learn and grow, um, as a professional, but also as a person. Well, John, I, I always appreciate the early OG Pearl Jam, uh, reference here on the podcast. I think we both know that should have been on the, that song should have been on the first album. It's a big mess. It was on the single soundtrack though. Um, the other thing that you just shared, um, just hosted an office hours conversation with a Darden faculty member. I think this group knows Luca Chan and uh, man, his advice. OK, the for our podcast listeners, been eruption of joy here on silent. But nevertheless, our our our, our guests this evening, big fans. And that's no surprise. Um, I highly encourage you to check out that office hours conversation if you haven't already. His piece of advice, though was basically like, if you're going to do this, do it and really put yourself fully into the experience. There's no half measure 
at, at Darden. Um, and if you can invest the time, the money, you're going to come and, and, and do, do this program. Really commit yourself to it and, and stretch yourself and recognize you're here to learn. And yes, learning happens in the classroom, but it also happens on learning teams and outside the classroom and the sort of full experience that you can that you can have here. And uh, probably no shock, he is a he is a, a very sort of um, energetic you know, person. And so that that advice, I think, was perfect coming coming from from him. So, wow. Learning team two. I think we did it. John, this was your vision. Um, what do you think? I, I I can't believe it happened. We've been trying to schedule this for like months and months and months, but I'm I'm happy that we were finally able to do this. Well, if anybody ever asked me, where were you on Monday, December 19th at around 8.30 to 9.40 p.m., I'll have a very specific response for them. Learning Team 2, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been so wonderful to be able to share your story with our listeners and so great to kind of bring them into your team forming, norming uh, process. And best of luck as you finish up uh, quarters nine, 10, and of course, LR2. I can't wait to, to be with y'all in Charlottesville in April. It's going to be great. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. You're the man. Go Hornets. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Appreciate the time. Always a pleasure. And that was our first ever podcast interview with a learning team here on the Exec MBA podcast. Big thank you to Remington Roth, John Grant, Colleen Mehta, Catherine Kinney, Johnny Carpenter, all students from our Executive MBA class of 2023 and members of LT2, our learning team too, for joining for this conversation. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at Darden.Virginia. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.